I'm Jeff Oldham. I'm the executive pastor here. I've been here for about three months. Uh, our family has. I've been on staff a little bit of, over a month and a half and have really enjoyed, just like Brian said, we have such a wonderful pastoral team, volunteers, everybody that works within Melanie Park Church, just a loving family. So really have been appreciative of how much you guys have welcomed us in as well. Um, let's pray before I start because uh, one of the biggest fears most people have, did you know most people will are more afraid of speaking in public than getting bit by a dog or being set on fire. So <laughs> that's me today. All right, so let's pray. Let's pray real quick. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. Your mercy is more. And Father, as we just step into your word, God, change us from the deep places in us, in the, the places where our heart wants to hold on to this world. Uh, loosen our hands from it. Peel fingers off of it. And let us give our hearts to you this morning, just to hear from you. Who you are inside of us. What you're doing in our lives. And Father, what you're doing in this world. So God, speak mightily. Um, through a dumb fisherman, like Bruce said. So, Father, help us. God, we love you and we praise you in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so we're in a, a three-week series called the Reset Series, and last week it was Bruce told us about stopping and going. Uh, stopping and really paying attention to our world around us. What's going on in our world? Are there people in need? And so he really did a great job of just really helping us make sure that our eyes are open and up and paying attention to the world around us, but then also um, speaking gospel truth into the, the lives that we come in contact with. And so this morning, we're going to talk about kind of our individual walk with the Lord. And uh, just as Carrie had mentioned, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews 10. But before we start that, I want to do something just for all of us. It's probably more for me than it is you, but I want to make sure that we're all kind of settled here. And so 2020 was a year like no other. Some of it was good. My family had actually a, a pretty good year. Our daughters came back to live with us because everybody was in quarantine. So we had our whole family in our house. We, we took walks in the park. Uh, my wife's business took off. Um, there were some really cool things about 2020. But for the most part, it was a strange year. I think we could all... Uh, affirm that for sure. So what I want us all to do, and uh, Amy taught me this, my wife Amy taught me this in our, when we used to teach kids, just to get everybody settled, she would always do this. She would say, all right, everybody take a deep breath. And so we're going to do that as a collective group. We're going to take a deep breath. So I want you to inhale and exhale. <sighs> no sleeping. I just want you, I want you relaxed, but not sleeping. Uh, because what a crazy year. I don't, I don't think any, any of us have seen anything like it. Um, the shutdowns, the masks, the elections, social unrest across our, our country, no Olympics. That was probably the worst thing for me. I love the Olympics. 25% capacity at sporting events, movie theaters closed, opened, closed, restaurants closed, opened, closed, disconnected community a sense of isolation, masks, 
I may have said that one twice. It's a burden. And the things that we had to deal with are things that we've never thought we would as a society. And if you're like me, we need a reset. We need to start over in some way. And like, like Carrie said, is that 2021 is not going to be some sort of magical year that is so much different than 2020. It could be worse. I mean, I hate to say that, but that's the truth. It could be. So where's our hope? But we do have a naturally time, uh, occurring time period when the year, year stops and a new year begins. We can all reset. It's a great time to just be reminded we can do that. As teenagers, my brothers and I used to play golf. Um, my younger brother and I were not very good golfers, and my older brother was a pretty good golfer, so we hated this. But we invented something called the Infinity Mulligan. And if you guys know anything about golf, a mulligan is a redo. Like if you miss a shot or you miss a putt, you're just like, can I get a mulligan right there? And you can reset your ball and, and putt, re-putt, or retake the shot. But my brother, my little brother and I would go out and play with my older brother, and we would shank balls off into the trees. We'd miss putts, and we're like, mulligan. And I'd go, mulligan. And he would just redo the shot. And so by the end of the, uh, end of the game, my younger brother, Sean, would say, what's your score? I'm like, 72. <laughs> That's like par. And I'm a horrible golfer. But I, had, I was like, 72? It's unbelievable. And my, bro, my older brother just wanted to beat us up. So uh, if Greg Sands is in here, he's a golf coach. Please don't listen to this. I am so sorry. But the infinity mulligan was something that we thought, man, this really makes the game of golf fun. But it was false. The problem is, is it was false. We were lying to each other about our golf scores. Now, what I want, can we really reset in 2021? Can we really? The truth is, is of course we can. And if we can, what does that look like for, for the next year? This morning, we're going to look at a couple of passages in the Bible where God offers an ultimate reset. And Carrie alluded to this. He did such a great job as really as a lot of this is going to be just um, restating what he, he taught uh, about communion. And then we're going to look at how does that affect me, though? How does it affect you? So uh, let's jump in. The author of Hebrews spent nine chapters setting up this idea that Jesus is the Messiah. You see, the Hebrews, the Jews of that day, were looking for a Messiah for hundreds and hundreds of years. The author of Hebrews is laying out a case that says, Jesus is the one we've been looking for. He's the savior of our sins. And so he does a really good job of setting this up for nine chapters. But he comes to this last one in chapter 10, uh, where we can get some sure footing on the, his last argument. So we're going to cover this pretty quickly. The first few verses of this, and it's going to reestablish what Carrie really taught us uh, earlier in the communion. So let's just jump in, Hebrews 10, verse 1. And let's just start reading. I'm going to read from the NASB version. Um, so for, for the law, since it has only a shadow of good things to come, not the form of those things itself, can never, by same sacrifices which they offer continually every year, make those who approach perfect. I know this is kind of confusing language, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain as we go. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers have once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciences of sin. 
But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. That's important. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. See, the author of Hebrews is stating that the old system, that's exactly what Carrie is saying, the old system was like our infinity mulligan. It really wasn't my golf score. It was a shadow of my golf score. I really shot in the hundreds, not in the 70s. And that's the truth. And so what he's saying is the old system was a shadow of a sacrificial system that was to come. And so he said, it's never going to fulfill God's requirement for holiness because the next sin always needed atonement, always. And the blood sacrifice would only temporarily take that away. It would never do it for all time. So then what it does is it breaks our fellowship with God. That's what sin does. And so those sacrifices momentarily would reconnect us to the Lord. But they were only temporary, only a shadow. So let's keep reading. Verse 5, therefore, when when he comes, that he is Jesus. When he comes into the world, he says, you have not desired sacrifice and offering. He's talking about God. God doesn't desire sacrifice and offering. You have prepared a body for me. You have not taken pleasure in burnt offerings and offerings for sins. Then I said, again, Jesus is talking, behold, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll of the book. He's saying the prophets from old, that's who they're talking about. They're talking about me. This is Jesus talking to do your will, O God. After saying the above, sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings, offerings for sins, you have no desire, nor Have you taken pleasure in them? He's saying, God, that wasn't your plan from the very beginning. It was part of the law and a temporary system, but it wasn't your complete plan, um, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. The first was the old sacrificial system where it's never going to be a full atonement for God's requirement for holiness. And Jesus says, I've come to do the second, which is for all time to take away the power of sin. Let's see where he explains this. So in Hebrews 10.10, this is so important that we get this. By this, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now, if you've been going to church for a long time, you've heard this before. This isn't anything new. Jesus took my sins. Did he take all your sins? Absolutely. Did he take every sin for all time? Absolutely. And that's what he's saying right here. It's pretty simple, right? But do we live like this? And that's what we're going to get into here in a second. Let's just make sure that we get this very specific um, idea down, though. So let's read through the last few verses of the first half of this. Every priest stands daily. This is uh, Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices. It's just what we heard, which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for all times, that's Jesus, check this out, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from the time onward until until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. Look at the difference what happens. The priest was standing. Every priest stands daily. Why? Because he knew he was going to have to do it again. 
Then you, you move down one verse and it says, he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down. Why did he sit down? Because exactly what Carrie said, it's finished. I've taken your sins for all time. The ones prior, the ones now, and the ones to come. And I've taken them, and I've taken the brunt of the penalty for them. So he says this in verse 14. He says, for by one offering, he has perfected for all times those that are sanctified. Now, I want to uh, make an observation here. It says, who are sanctified? That's the NASB version of this text. The NIV, it's, it's an easier read, but they don't always get this right. They did this time. The NIV actually says, um, he was made perfect forever, those who are being made perfect. So it's not just that those who are sanctified, who are perfected, that are, man, we're good, and I don't sin any longer. That's the one he's talking about. The NIV, the NIV and Todd taught, taught on this two weeks ago, the NIV actually has it right, and it says, those who are being made perfect. That's us. None of us are perfect. We still have a tendency to run towards sin. That's what he's saying right here. What's interesting about this is that he's saying we were made perfect, although we're still being perfected. Isn't that mysterious? That's really mysterious. But the truth is, is that our spiritual lives, we don't pay the penalty for sin ever again. Now, we may have consequences for our sin. That's a difference. But we're not going to pay the penalty for that sin ever again because he made us perfect. Now, here's the deal. Do we act and react to a world around us out of that perfection? Probably not. Not if you're like me. But this is amazing truth. God says, for those that trust in, have faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that our new identity is forever transformed and renewed as sons and daughters of the Most High. That is an awesome truth. Now, do we act out of this? Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, that's an amazing gift of grace. It was the ultimate reset where there was no, uh, where are, there are no longer, uh, I don't even know what I wrote down here. Sorry, it's just our new identity in Christ. And I've got a good illustration. Well, I've got an illustration. I don't know if it's good or not. Um, <laughs> here we go. Uh, there's a show called uh, The King on, uh, on Netflix. And it's a pretty gruesome show. So uh, under certain ages in your family, I probably wouldn't. As an adult, it's pretty gruesome. But the movie is fantastic. There's a scene where uh, the English army is moving across France. And King Henry is a young king. And they are camped out. And some of the squires, the young, the young um, soldiers, are out in the woods um, looking for firewood or something. Well, the French move in secretively and kill them. And it's, I'm, I'm not trying to be disgusting or anything like that. But they, they actually, they, they killed some of the young guys, and then the king finds out about it. King Henry finds out about it. And he's in his tent, and he is fuming. How dare the French kill our soldiers, especially the youngest ones? And so he calls his advisor in, and he says two things to him. He says, one, I want you to do this. I want you to surround our camp, and I want to make sure that everybody that's on duty 
keeps their eyes open and is very focused. I don't want this happening again. I want to make sure. And if, they, if anybody falls asleep, gouge their eyes out. He, he is angry. And the second one, he says, I want you to kill every French prisoner we have. The advisor says this. He says, I'll do the first. That's smart. That's really a, 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 a that would be what I would do. The second, I'm not going to do it. And the king says, you dare disobey an order from me? And John Falstaff, that's his advisor, says, I'm not going to do the second one. That's just vain conceit, and that's not who you are. And King Henry looks at him and says, but you still have to do what I ask you to do because I'm the king. And he says, that's not who you are. That's not kingly behavior. He was reminding King Henry of his identity. And so what happened on the cross is the same issue for us, is the Holy Spirit is always reminding us that we are perfected in Christ's work on the cross, and our faith in him is what does that, not our works. And he's reminding us that's our identity. It's as though he's whispering through the ancient truths, I made you new. You are free to live a life that honors me. Don't look back, look forward to me. This is the true you. This is the true me. In this new identity, God wants us to look at the craziness that we've experienced over the last year. And he wants to, mostly wants us to have a tendency because what happens is we have a tendency to run towards fear first, react to our anxieties, try to numb our insecurities, see if any of this fits you. How we try to feed our desires for self-reliance, how we try to medicate ourselves to feel better for a moment through what we view on our computers, maybe a few too many drinks, Maybe unhealthy relationships, or maybe some socially more socially accepted things like uh, overworking the all the time, because we don't remember our true identity. And God whispers, "That's not you. That's not you. That's not me." He's whispering, and sometimes he screams in his word. That's not your true identity. Now, we know we're all prone to what we're, what we're prone to do when we're scared, lonely, tired, hungry, frustrated. Like Henry V, we act out of this false identity. So what is that for you? Where do you run when things get hard? Whatever it is, God wants to set you free, set me free into his new identity, this new identity that lives in us, that's not driven by, listen, by shame, fear, selfishness, or, 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 or pain. That's what we do is react out of those things. So God goes on to give us some, some helpful ideas of what to do with this. When we understand of who our true identity is, he starts to help us look and, and deal with life in a whole different way. And so in verses 19 through 21 in um, Hebrews 10, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place 
by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. Isn't that awesome? Which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. Basically, he was saying the old system was a high priest would have to, once a year, go and sacrifice an animal behind the curtain into the holy of holies in the temple. Once a year, one priest would step behind those so that he could enter the presence of God as an atonement for all people. Well, Jesus' body, we know this, Jesus' body took the place of that curtain. He tore it down, that veil that he talks about, through the veil. He tore that down, so get this, so that we all can step into the presence of the God, into the presence of God. What this means is that we can stand perfect in the eyes of our Heavenly Father, not because we are perfect, but because by faith we put our trust in and are moving towards the one who is perfect. It's not us, it's him. And he, and he goes on to tell us about this in a second. So what do we do about this great news? How are we going to help reset my new year here? Well, God says that we should stop running to those things that never fully satisfy and stop consuming, start consuming a good spiritual diet. So that is why he sent us the lettuce verses. Now, this is kind of silly, but the truth is, is that we've been consuming and gorging ourselves in our household, don't know about you guys, since Thanksgiving. And so I was like, man, I just, these pants fit tighter? I don't know if it's you guys the same way. My clothes are fitting differently. And so I thought we need some, we probably need a good healthy diet. But the truth is God says, I want you to have a good spiritual diet too. So he sent us the lettuce verses. I know it's silly. You'll see it here in a second. So there are five quick verses that he can apply. It's like salad. And so he says, I don't know if salad's that good or not, but we're, I'm going with it. All right, so the first one is verse 22. This is our first one. And so in your bulletin, there should be five blanks. We're going to go through those pretty quickly that are five just things that God says. Once you start acting and reacting at this new identity, this is how the kingdom of God starts to look. And he gives us the lettuce verses. So the first one is verse 22. Let us, <laughs> see lettuce verses? There you go. That's about all I thought I would get. So, all right. It says, verse 22 in the NASB, NASB says, let us approach God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He's reestablishing that idea that we can walk into the presence of God now because we're clean. We're perfected. We don't have to sacrifice anything for our sins ever again. It's all been done by him, and our faith in that is what gets us into the presence of God. It reestablishes that. So the first one is, and the, the NIV version of this says, that let us draw near. So the first one is, let us draw near. Draw near to the Lord. Isn't that good news? I was telling our oldest daughter about what I was going to speak about this morning, and she said, when you first started down that road, it sounded like you're going to give us a list of things we have to do. Doesn't it? Like we need more to do. And the first one is to draw near to God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It doesn't require anything of us other than sitting still. 
reading his word, spending time with him. Isn't that good spiritual food? So the first one is let us draw near to the throne room of God, to him himself, because we can. All right, let's see the second one. The second lettuce verse is verse 22. Let us hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So the second one is let us stand firm. What are we standing firm in though? We're not standing firm in our faith. I know me. I know my heart. I know it runs to wickedness. I know it does. So who am I standing firm in? He tells us right there. For he who promised is faithful. We're standing firm in his faith, not ours. So stand firm. Draw near. All right. The third one, the next bowl of salad we're about to eat is in verse 24 and 25. It says, let us consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our meeting together as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another. So the next one is, let us encourage and serve in community. Doesn't everybody in this room need some sort of encouragement? I mean, I don't know if this is any more encouraging It needs to be more encouraging than any message we're getting from the world that our identity is reshaped. Let's encourage each other towards walking and talking and looking more like Jesus and serve each other. That's what Bruce taught on last week. How do we serve each other? We're so self, self, self self-centered. How do we break that? Only by a new identity in Christ can we serve each other and love each other towards good deeds. And if, if this year hasn't taught us anything other than we need community, I don't know what else it's teaching us. We need each other. I know when I walk through this life alone, that's the one place Satan can really get at me. Because in a pack of animals, that one animal that isolates itself is the one that's easiestly picked off. That's us. We have got to exist within community. So thanks for showing up this morning. Uh, Now we're going to transition. There's two more lettuce verses, but they're in chapter 12. What happens between chapter 10 and chapter 12 is Hebrews 11, which is the hall of faith. It talks about people like Moses, Jonah, Joseph. I mean, it's the, it's the pillars of faith in this book. And you're like, man, I can never, I can never live up to that, that group of people. Here's the truth, though. In that list, there's a prostitute, a murderer, a liar, an adulterer. What can't we live up to? The truth about what we just read It doesn't matter what we did in 2020 as far as God is concerned and how he looks at us as far as our faith is. He looks at us as perfect. That's why we took a deep breath right before I started speaking. That deep breath reminds us that I am not my mistakes. I am his. You are sons and daughters of the Most High. We're not our mistakes. Now, we may suffer the consequences for those, but that's not our identity. 
Just like John Falstaff was reminding King Henry, that's not you. So we transition through this hall of faith that's these pillars that are really not pillars. They're just like us. And he reminds all of us that it's faith in him that matters. Not faith in ourselves. It's faith in him. So then we come to number four. Our number four let us verse. It's a doozy. In chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Let us rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the next one is, let us take sin seriously. Please. Please. I'm begging. Just like he coaxes me and welcomes me and invites me into life that is so good. He says to take my sin seriously. What's cool about that is that if we go back to one of those verses that it says that that he made perfect those that are being made perfect, how do you know you're one of those that is perfect, perfected by him spiritually, is that we hate our sin. That is a great indicator if you love your sin and you run towards it and you're like, just bring on more, there's probably a spiritual gap in there that needs to be addressed. But the rest of us in here that know and have faith in a God that loves us and has perfected us, look at our sin and go, ugh, it's gross, it's hard, it's, it, 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 it tries to um, entangle me. So we have to take our sin seriously. So what distracts us? What takes our focus? I've found that sin is progressive. It grows and it grows. So it's always wise to cut the sin off at its root. Mine's always in my thought life. And so one of the ways I've thought to really take my sin seriously is what I consume. And most of us consume the world through our senses, through our eyes, through what we hear. So we have to be really careful about what we let into our lives. Now, I'm not trying to be um, super uh, legalistic here. The truth is, is that we do have to be very careful and have boundaries of what we take in through our eyes and our ears, what we see on media. It can be insidious. We have to be very careful with ourselves and our families. So I'm on a social media fast. So this, we're new to Mel- Melanie Park. Many of you reached out through Facebook, and you're like, hey, can we be friends? And we're Facebook official now. Well, I'm not going to have Facebook for a while. So if we're friends, sorry, I'm not going to contact you through those means anymore. I'm just going to take a break from social media. It's so consuming at times, and it distracts me from what is the most important. So what is most important? We know the answer to this, but in, in the verse 2, He actually says it right here. Now, I'm not a gifted speaker. I'm just a guy. Just just trying to be faithful and obedient as best I can. So if you haven't heard any other thing that I've said this morning, lean in, perk up, and listen to God's word. The whole system here, all of it, the way we engage the Lord, how we draw near, how we encourage, how we 
serve each other in community, how we take sin seriously comes down to this one thing. It's all funneling right here. And it's Bruce who spoke last week. This is his battle verse. That's what he tells me. This is my battle verse. I don't know what he does. (laughs) I'm going to battle. I'm like, okay. I'm just praying, man. Uh, So this is his battle verse. It's so beautiful. If we can reset our year right here, right here, this place would look totally different. Our community would look totally different. If we could settle right here, do you want a better marriage? Do you want better friendships, better relationships? Do you want to get a hold of your finances the way they they would be God-honoring? Right here. Hebrews 12.2 says this. And I'm going to read out of the NIV because I love this version of what it says. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We don't have to be ashamed of our sin anymore because he scorned it for us. Fix our eyes on Jesus. I just recently left a job that was stressful. Um, Not because I don't think I was ill-prepared for it. It was just a very me-centric world. Very difficult to, 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 to maneuver in, especially as a follower of Jesus. Very difficult. But I was there for a reason. And I as best I could, not perfectly, as best I could. I'm still being perfected. I did my best I could to be obedient to God's ways in that place. But there were times that took a toll on me physically. Anybody, any of you guys feel that? You can feel it. I could feel it in my chest. And there was days I didn't want to go back to work. And I'm not a violent person. I don't have a battle verse like, like Bruce. I'm not, I'm not saying he's violent. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Bruce. He's the sweetest guy I know. Um, I'm not violent, but there were times, and just hear me out, this is confession time, just so you know inside my heart, that I wanted to roll a hand grenade down the hallway and go, peace. <laughs> I had had it. The decisions that were being made were not good for people, not good for employees, not good for kids, not for good for students. They were just not good. They were based on some metrics that were unhealthy. And so I was just like, I'm, I'm done with this place. And I could feel it in my heart. And I'd tell my wife about it, and she would encourage me to fix my eyes on Jesus, fix my eyes on Jesus. And I kept hearing that. And so one morning I woke up and I was like, I don't want to go back. And I woke up dreaming and thinking, man, this is hard. I don't want to do this anymore. I'll I'll do whatever you ask, Lord, and I'll be obedient. This is so hard. And it's starting to take a toll on my health. Help, Lord. And I remembered to fix your eyes upon Jesus. So I did it. I was like, okay, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to do this. So I did the whole religious thing. He's on the cross, wavy hair. So, I mean, you're just like, oh, he's, he's dying for us. I mean, I, I'm being comical, but I don't even mean to be. It's just like I was just trying to be like, okay, I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus, and I'm going to put my sins at his, 
feet, and I'm just going to be so religious. And then what happened was so amazing, I can't explain it to you. I said, he wiped away that image, and I was standing at the end of a dock. And at the other end of the dock, he's there, Jesus. And he's waving me over, and he's smiling at me. And I'm walking towards him, and I'm not taking my eyes off of him. I'm not looking to the right or left. I'm just looking at him. I'm like, all right, fix my eyes on Jesus. Fix my eyes on Jesus. And I walk down, and he's smiling. And he puts his arm around, and he says, let's sit down. And so we sit down, and we put our feet in the water. And he looks at me, and he says, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Life's hard. It's not easy to walk through this world sometimes. I'm being emotional because it was real. I fixed my eyes on him, not on anything else. So the frustrations of this world can be immense. They can be hard. Masks are irritating. This world can be a real pain in the butt. He says, fix your eyes on me. If you want real marriages, fix your eyes on Jesus. If you want good relationships, fix your eyes on Jesus. Spend time with him. Draw near to him. Be encouraged by him. That's good spiritual diet. That's a good reset to a world that's purposeful and good for all of us. That's my prayer for you guys. Let us walk with you through this. Let us. <laughs> I just made up a no lettuce verse. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you, Lord. So as we step into 2021, let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for loving us the way you do. We are imperfect in every way. We run and we strive for things that are so unhealthy for us. We think they'll satisfy, Lord, and they don't. So God, they're Thank you for moving towards us, drawing near to us so that we can draw near to you. Thank you for the gift of grace that Jesus died on a cross so we can live a life in a new identity. God, let us fix our eyes upon you in all things. God, we pray this in the beautiful and strong and loving and compassionate name of Jesus. Amen.